Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We're looking at Exodus chapter 26 today. We got this section kicked off last week when we looked at the core of the tabernacle. We looked at the Ark of the Covenant. We looked at the table that was holding the bread of presence and then the golden lampstand. So those three things together really constituting this core of showing God's presence among his people. And we saw, uh, it was really a cool way of putting it, you know, it's it's a picture of Jesus, really, before he's born. And today, in chapter 26, you get more of this. It's the, the tabernacle, the tent proper, uh, the, the part that you think of as the tent, the, the shell that goes around it. And we see more of these details about uh, the different colors, the sizes, the numbers, all of these things showing these really special meaning underneath it all. So it's not just a, you know, a list of instructions on how to put this tent together, which I know probably evokes traumatic experiences for some, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually uh, some really cool stuff here. And joining us today, we've got Pastor Richard Mitwitty, pastor at University Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas. Uh, he's no stranger to KFUO, been on programs like Sharper Iron, but I think this might be the first time he's been on Thy Strong Word, at least first time with me. So good morning, brother. Good to have you with us. Uh, welcome. Good morning, Pastor Espinosa. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, it is my first time with, with you all. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, an interesting point to, to jump in here, right? We're looking at Exodus 26. And yeah, I mean, we were talking about that last time. You know, this is the part where you're like, okay, well, I read the Red Sea stuff. You know, I read the uh, the plagues. And okay, we did we stuck around for the Ten Commandments. But, you know, this is where I'd like the movie to end now. Um, <laughs> you know, this is like, this is the part that got left out. You know, I don't, I don't know why they didn't include this in The Prince of Egypt, right? They could have included like a whole yeah. hour of just talking about the tabernacle that would have been really cool yeah no no kidding it's just <laughs> you know, it's all, all of god's word is it's god's word and beneficial to us but man sometimes it's like geez this is really boring stuff <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. you know, reading this is like reading blueprints which, which yeah. is very exciting for, it's very exciting for architects and, and builders yeah so, uh, uh, for, for us you know theologians it's like they so, so how do we make this exciting? Because it really is in here. There's, there's some neat yeah. stuff in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a good analogy, right? Like if you're if you're an architecture geek, you're like, oh, this is awesome. But yeah, let, let's. Uh, so it's up to you and me here to kind of like unpack this so that we can, we everyone doesn't doesn't get lost on the kind of architecture side of things. And so, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do our we'll do our utmost, and the people will judge how we did. <laughs> but uh, in any case, without any uh, further ado, let's go ahead and turn to the text as we get started, brother. Would you start us out with a prayer? Indeed, gracious heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunities we have to uh, to to read, and to study, and to learn from your word. You're you're, you're very revealing to us uh, in in words. Uh, your, 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 who you are to us, and we see even in difficult passages, we see, we see your grace and your mercy uh, extended to us, uh, even in passages that are like, what in the world is this? Lord, open our hearts and minds today to, to hear, to read, mark, and learn from your holy word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, so here we go, Exodus 26. Um, 
one last thing then before we we actually get because we'll go ahead and just read it straight through before we look at some of the details but is there anything i don't know i mean key vocab items or, or just anything about the context that we ought to be remembering as we read this through just to kind of get us ready to read the chapter um, not thinking in those terms, uh, not, not not particularly, but I guess just keeping in mind that this is God's design for a place of dwelling, where he plans right. to meet his people there, especially for the forgiveness of their sins. I, I, I guess that'd be the, the only thing there that keeps it on an exciting level. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's good. Big, big picture, right? You know, this is, this is where God yeah. is going to be hanging out. This is where his presence is going to be. So uh, thinking about the details and, you know, how, how does this make sense for a place where God is supposed to be and not just, mm-hmm. uh, th- th- these are, you know, cool directions for what's going to be a really pretty sanctuary, really, really pretty building, but, but thinking about it as uh, we're getting this ready for God to show up. I think, I think that is helpful. Yeah. Okay. So let's Good go deal. ahead then. Uh, Exodus chapter 26 from the top in the English standard version. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the breadth of each curtain, four cubits. All the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain. Fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that's in the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another. And you shall make 50 clasps of gold and couple the curtains one to the other with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. You shall make also curtains of goat's hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shall you make. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits and the breadth of each curtain four cubits. The eleven curtains shall be the same size. You shall couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves, and the sixth curtain you shall double over at the front of the tent. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set, and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is in the outermost in the second set. You shall make 50 clasps of bronze, and put the clasps into the loops, and and couple the tent together, that it may be a single whole. And the part that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle. And the extra that remains in the length of the curtains, the cubit on the one side and the cubit on the other side, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and that side to cover it. And you shall make for the tent a covering of tanned ram skins and a covering of goat skins on top. You shall make upright frames for the tabernacle of acacia wood, ten cubits, shall be the length of a frame, and a cubit and a half the breadth of each frame. There shall be two tenons in each frame for fitting together. So shall you do for the frames of the tabernacle. You shall make the frames for the tabernacle, 20 frames for the south side, and 40 bases of silver you shall make under the 20 frames, two bases under one frame for its two tenons, and two bases under the next frame for its two tenons, and for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, 20 frames, 
and their 40 bases of silver, two bases under one frame and two bases under the next frame. And for the rear of the tabernacle westward, you shall make six frames. And you shall make two frames for corners of the tabernacle in the rear, and they shall be separate beneath, but joined to the top at the first ring. Thus shall it be with both of them. They shall form the two corners. And there shall be eight frames with their bases of silver, 16 bases, two bases under one frame and two bases under the other frame. You shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the frames on the one side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames on the other side of the tabernacle and five bars for the frames on the side of the tabernacle at the rear, westward. The middle bar, halfway up the frames, shall run from end to end. You shall overlay the frames with gold and shall make their rings of gold for holders for the bars and you shall overlay the bars with gold. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you were shown on the mountain. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on the four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table. And you shall put the table on the north side. You shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen embroidered with needlework. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold, and you shall cast five bases of bronze for them. All right. Now, that is just, like, so hard to read without having a picture to look at. <laughs> right. And still, this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Yeah. It's true. But, oh. but yeah, so, I mean, it's it's very detailed and... I mean, what what maybe we aren't appreciating is that, you know, uh, when you're when you're just chiseling stuff into stone, it's kind of challenging to, like, draw lots of you know, pictures and diagrams and the rest. So, yeah. you know, I mean, th this is this is as much as you're going to be able to do for, you know, being able actually to, to provide some kind of written record. And, and as detailed as this is. I mean, it's not actually hard to actually reconstruct this. It is so uh, detailed and, and methodically laid out. Yeah, and yet I think Moses does have a picture of it, but apparently this design is quite common in, in, in Egypt. Uh, mm. a, a lot of construction was like this, so uh, especially uh, the, uh, the, the findings from, from King uh, Tut's uh, things, Revealed a lot of these 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 things biblically that are kind of copying what they've already seen. Uh, so it's kind right. of so Moses is like, oh, I, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, God. I, I've seen that design. Even the Ark of the Covenant has a design from from some Egyptian boxes that that are very similar to that. So this whole kind of rectangular thing here. So I think I think Moses does have kind of a picture of it here. Um, that's a familiarity that, that that God is giving him instead of just. A, a blueprint out of the blue, if you could say. 
Yeah, I know that, that that's good, and, and and you know, and it's not like you know we are, are, are scandalized by that. Like, oh my goodness, they're they're copying the Egyptians. I mean, uh, the, the point is, you know, God is is not pr- having them produce this like alien structure that they're all going to look at and say, what on earth is this? Right? You know, uh, right, we right. you know we don't even know what this is for. Right? No, he he's he's approaching them where they're at. And he is accommodating them. And so he, he's having them build this structure that they're going to have an intuitive sense of, right? They're actually going to look at and be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we get what's going on here. We, I mean, now, now they're going to have some things that are, that are unique and different in particular. And so that's going to stand out to them. And they're going to say like, oh, so God's a little bit different from the stuff that was going on in Egypt, right? Uh, but but the similarities will help them kind of orient themselves, unlike, unlike us, where we read this and we're just like, hang on a second, what's going on? <laughs> we have right. no idea. Yeah. And some of the materials, too, uh, were, the, the, these were, were common. In fact, they probably brought these things with them from Egypt when they, yeah. when, when, when the Egyptians gave them stuff to kind of be like, you, you guys get yep. out of here, here, take this stuff. Um, like 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 the the, the the linen. Something that was amazing to me reading this. I didn't realize there, there's four layers of these of these of these curtains of these these, these different layers that make it a tent that, that are covering it. But there's there's four of these layers here, and the first one, the one that would be in actually they would see on the inside is this linen um, yeah. from from a, the flax plant, uh, which is abundant in, in Canaan, of course, but. Very extensive use by the Egyptians. Again, they they they, they found um, this kind of linen, flax linen, in 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 uh, Tut's uh, uh, archaeological dig. A pair of gloves, apparently, that were his, that were so fine they were almost transparent of this linen. That's really, really very versatile, uh, uh, but very special kind of fabric here. Um, yeah. When when jo- when Joseph was, uh, you know. Kind of when, when he revealed all of his plans, that he was elevated to, to, uh, to you know, the vice presidency, if you will, of, of, of Egypt. They they dressed him in a uh, in, in a white garment of, of, of linen here. Right. So um, and part of the high priest garb uh, has, has linen in it. And of course, our our, our true high priest Jesus was was buried in, in this type of fine linen. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's so this. this even the materials here are not that new to them. Um, and, and I right. like that linen too. That looking ahead with the linen in in in, in Revelation in in the uh, Revelation to John the uh, um, in chapter fifteen and nineteen the, uh, the 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 saints are clothed in pure bright linen, uh, and, and the bride of Christ is is adorned in this. And the, the armies of heaven following the pale horse are in are in this this. This linen. So this this is a very special cloth that's going to be used there, uh, common, but for a very special special purpose now that's going to make them different than anybody else uh, in their worship situation. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate you breaking it down that way because I, I mean, well, for several reasons, but I, especially connecting it back to the Exodus, right? Because we had that that comment about you know they're they're going to be you know plundering the Egyptians. And so we're actually really seeing it, you know, come to fruition. You know, why did God have them do that? Well, so they could actually do this. And so they could actually build the tabernacle. Uh, you know, so that, that's why he was naming, you know, silver and gold and bronze. And, um, and, and, and along with that, we would assume some of these sorts of materials. Now, I mean, some of them, 
they would have been able to produce themselves out here in the wilderness, like the stuff out of like, you know, uh, you know, maybe goat's hair, you know, they have goats, so they, they you know, mm-hmm. they can do this. Right. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah. a, lot, a lot of this other stuff that they needed to bring it from Egypt. And then as you were saying also, and this is maybe, I, I'm not sure I'd kind of appreciate this. They're also bringing with them the knowledge they gained from Egypt in terms of how to work with these materials and how to do this. Like, if they hadn't learned all this stuff in Egypt as this servant slave class, building these things and, and weaving these things and putting these things together for the Egyptians, they wouldn't have been able to do this uh, for the tabernacle. And, and God is correspondingly given them a project that's within their skill set. Mm. I guess it just is kind of a way of I guess theologizing any everything that pastors do is he he's redeeming their slavery. Yeah. And the time they were yeah. there to to say okay you, you pick this up remember <laughs> these are some things that that are valuable that you're taking with you from from there um so yeah right. kind of re, kind of re, re, redeeming their, their their years of slavery I suppose yeah. Yeah, no, I I like that, like uh, redeeming it, right? Like this idea that you know they they have they have this knowledge, and and God says, well, you know what? I want you to use all that knowledge, all that stuff that you got for the Egyptians, right? All that stuff that you you thought was you know just bad and terrible, and you know how could God ever you know let us you know endure this time in Egypt? But I'm going to show you how I'm going to use it for good. And um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and I think that that both, you know, is, is the re- redemption. And then also, I think for us, too, it also points to how the, the knowledge that we gain in, in our study and in our work, you know, we, we shouldn't look down on that as like, oh, you know, this is just this kind of like secular stuff that I do. And, you know, all this secular mm-hmm. knowledge and study, it's, it's not, not really worth anything because God brings all that stuff into his service. Gosh, it's like, can, can we say that he, he's redeeming the, a vocation of slavery? I'm, maybe that's going too far. I don't know. Um, hmm. but, yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think I think I think we we can say he's redeeming it without endorsing it. Indeed, yeah. That's uh, you, you bailed me out. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're 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 a team here. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, go ahead. How, how, how Joseph, when he's revealed to his brothers, they're in yep. Egypt, and and how they're 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 so you know remorseful of what happened. He says, "Hey, you meant it for evil, but 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 God has brought something good out of it here. You know, yep. the, the the Egyptians meant the slavery is something bad, but there is something uh, we can say good that's coming out of this. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. God, and well, I mean, and actually, it really is a testament to the glory of God, that he can work good even out of just absolutely terrible things. And, and, and in fact, the, the more terrible a thing that he works good out of, the more you get to step back and say, wow, only God could have done this to, to bring that much good out of something so so dark, um, so so terrible. So um, I, I think that that's, that that's helpful. And that, that kind of pertains, like you were saying, to some of the stuff on on the linen. Um, you, you know, another another thing about the, the linen, um, you know, so you have the, the colors of it, right? And we, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about that last time because we, we, I think we had the colors there in chapter 25 as well. And so we mentioned yeah. that, you know, blue and purple, very rare. Um, and, mm-hmm. and in fact, purple in particular uh, was still, still very rare even in the, in the New Testament times, which is why it continued to be uh, used for the aristocracy, nobility, the ruling class, right? 
Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, we, we're not surprised that we would see these royal colors, royal blue and a royal purple uh, mm-hmm. used to represent their king in their midst, right? The, the highest authority. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarlet, though, you know, I—it's—it's it's interesting. This is this is a this is a particular color. You see scarlet um, in a few places throughout the scriptures, and, and I think the sense might be a little bit different in different locations here. But I, I think that one thing I I didn't really bring out very well last time was that this isn't just red. Um, and, and in fact, I did like a little bit of follow up reading because red would have been a very common color, right? Like I remember I remember reading once. You know why they used to paint all the the church doors red? Like it was it was this was fascinating to me. Like uh, when someone told me this, because like you know I I kind of heard pious answers like, well it's because of the Reformation or like it's because of the Holy Spirit or or it's be, it's a reference to um, you know Passover how you know the the blood on the doors right and all those things are cool and like I'm not gonna like say that you know you can't think of it that way, but uh, what what I was told was well historically. Well, it's the same reason why they painted all the barns red because it was the cheapest color of paint because it's <laughs> rust. It's everywhere. It, yeah. It's it's you know what you have. It's a practical color. I mean, the paint's there mostly to protect the wood. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. not not necessarily because uh, you know for like these kinds of aesthetic you know theological reasons. But but the thing is, the red here is not an ordinary red, and in fact, this scarlet. Um, they've, they've done some archaeological stuff. Is out like also? I mean, it's a very deep color. It's it's kind of purple, tending towards red, um, almost like some right. kind of like burgundy or maroon. And it also would have been very, very rare and expensive to procure these three colors together. Yeah, because scarlet comes from a uh, even from a, a particular insect. Um, yeah, to, right. To get to get the color from that, yeah, the the the, the, the cochineal bug or something. Not not too versed on yep. that, but it's yeah, it, 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 it's, it, you got to get it from a bug. You can't just you know drop it, you know, put some red dye. You, you get this this, this 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 is hard to get. <laughs> Right. Yeah, How many yeah, of these yeah, little yeah. bugs do you need to chase down and squish to like be able to actually dye the entirety of the tabernacle? That's that's good. That's going to take some doing. I, I think, it, and I think it has to be the female too. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So it's yeah. Um, yeah, it's very in, in, in our in our liturgical colors. I think scarlet is, is is an option for for Monday Thursday. Maybe I think. I I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know particularly why, but it's, it's, it's that it's that rare. I guess even in our in our yeah. liturgy. Yeah, no, that's um, true. Well, I mean, it, ma- it makes sense, though, because I mean, like, well, like you were saying, you already made the connection and we were making this connection last time, too. It's it's in the book of Hebrews that spells it out so well. But I mean, it's this idea that, you know, in the Lord's Supper, this 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 meal, which is the fulfillment of the Passover and not even just of the Passover, uh, but ultimately the uh-huh. Day of Atonement. Right. This blood, which is uh, poured out for many. Right. That, that atonement language mm. Mm. that if this is the day of atonement. Right. Mm. Then okay. the blue oh, yeah. and the purple yeah. and the scarlet are very fitting for what we celebrate in the Eucharist. Yeah. In fact, scarlet is maybe closer to, to a blood color. Really, I, that perhaps it's, it's yeah. deeper. And, you know, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, great connection. Oh, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 
Uh, well, all, all okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're, you're in charge. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I was going to say, well, we're, we're practically actually out of, out of time here before we got to take our first break. But so when we get back from the break, we're going to, we're going to move past this color stuff and we, we've got to talk about these numbers, right? Okay. So what's the significance of these dimensions? 50 cubits this way, one and a half cubits that way. What's going on? Hang on, everybody. We'll get to that. Looking at Exodus chapter 26 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular, long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in, you'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 26, the construction of the tabernacle. We talked uh, before the break about the, the this fine linen, which they learned to, to work with, and, and, to, and they probably even got some of it from Egypt, right? And like the significance of that, um, God redeeming. And, and we're now hopefully going to have a chance to talk a little bit about all these numbers, because man, we got the, the, these really specific measurements, um, and we shouldn't neglect uh, what we might be needing to pick up here, because like none of these numbers are ever arbitrary. If you've got any questions for us, because there are there's a lot of things going on here. So if you got any questions for us or comments or um, I don't know if you if you've maybe seen like a really helpful diagram somewhere you want to share it for everybody like you know hey this is a good resource go check check this out you can get a good picture of it uh, give us a call you can call one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven or if you're in St Louis three one four eight two one zero eight five zero also, you can send an email to KFUO at KFUO.org, or you can hop on the Facebook stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. 
So we're joined today by our guest, Pastor Richard Mitwitty, pastor at University Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas. Um, yeah, brother, I wanted to ask you, I mean, how, how is it? How's it going over there right now? I mean, aside from being absurdly hot, I hope you and yours are doing okay in the midst of that. But um, just in terms also just of all the uncertainties about college campuses and are we gearing up for a fall semester or not, those sorts of things. Uh, yeah, it's hot in Texas, but it's summer, so what's new? You know, it's, it's what's supposed new? to be hot. That's, that's a, yeah. no, no big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah the, the coming semester is... Uh, still kind of we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, like, like most universities, University of Texas is planning on, on students returning on, on campus, but they are giving an option of, uh, of totally online. If you want to stay in, in your hometown, wherever you are, and, and do online, that, that is available. But uh, a, a, a good number of my students are all, are all returning. They're, they're planning on being on campus. Uh, and probably going to end up in a hybrid situation of, of some uh, yeah, in-person sure. classes, but also some probably some online situations. Uh, UT looks like they're pretty good set up for, um, for for distancing, and uh, even in the dorms, and they've, they've got a good plan laid out. It's still kind of we'll see what it's like next month when when, when things happen. <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems the updates just change the whole story like every every week, right? So <laughs> everything is written in pencil and very tentative here. Uh, but yeah, but no, very good. And in these chapters, you know, that talk about the the you know the tabernacle and this idea of the gathering of God's people. Of course, uh, just we keep mm-hmm. being reminded of the importance of being able to see each other and and be there. Um, and, and this idea of being face to face, I think, is going to lend itself to kind of some of the mention here about the cherubim and the um, the holy of holies in particular. Uh, we do have one question that's come in here. I want to kind of give you uh, first dibs on it here. So we, we're talking about you know this 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 linen um, and these precious metals, and also just the the knowledge of the linen working, which came from Egypt. So here's the question: uh, What other things is Yahweh bringing uh, or borrowing from the Egyptians. Uh, critical scholars have their opinions and theories about this. Um, any, anything to add to, to the conversation or, or maybe anything noteworthy for those who aren't so familiar with it? Um, but besides the, uh, the, I think just the basic design and the, uh, the, the materials I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not aware. Unfortunately, they, 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 would, they would bring some of the idolatry along with them. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that's 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 all I, I really, um, you know, came up with. In, yeah, 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 sure. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, off the top off the top of my head, um, a number of the names actually are Egyptian, which is interesting. One of the, one of the ones I came across recently, Phineas, actually, who is going to go on to become the, the high priest who takes over eventually in the line of Aaron. His name is Egyptian. And, and there's, there's other Egyptian names. Um, and there's, there's even a couple of different aspects that, um, 
Some people, for instance, have pointed to that some of the patriarchs uh, are described as living to be 110 years, and that that actually might be following an Egyptian convention. That 110 was seen oh. as like a as a full full life, like the most that you know a man can hope for. And so you just kind of when someone's like had a full life, you, you just kind of almost round up as a way of saying like, yeah, he he did it all. Um, you know, he he didn't have anything on uh, left unfinished things like that. So th- there's there, there's a couple of things that people have pointed to and kind of in terms of like the language. Um, I, I think that I think I think that there's there's certainly some other things. And and I, I think what's kind of become a big picture interesting about those sorts of things is that the, the more of those little signs that you see um, that are like things from Egypt uh, kind of point to that, you know, it, it's not like this whole story because this is the thing right um in in certain lines of scholarship uh, certain people will say and in fact maybe even in some cases even a majority of scholars would say that this is basically a fictitious story that this is kind of like an idealized history that you know really the exodus is something that that theologically happened but that the people were just canaanites and they you know, they kind of banded together there in the land of Canaan, but, you know, there was no like, exodus from Egypt. But, I mean, all this stuff that you have that's like, hey, this is kind of Egyptian fingerprints all over it, um, it's actually is, you know, from even just a historical scholarly perspective, evidence to the other side. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. That really does uh, help uh give credence to the, to the biblical text. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Yeah. I mean, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect, um, for instance, like the high priest, right? Phineas, um, the high priest of, of your, you know, strictly, you know, Yahweh worshiping monotheistic nation to have an Egyptian name, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're just like kind of, you know, making this, this story up, right? I mean, so, so there's things like that, that I, I think, um, anyways, but yeah, good, good, good question. Uh, yes, please do free everybody. If you have any other questions, bring them in. But let, let's kind of look at some of the details here now. So the first detail that we get, uh, we kind of talked about the colors already, mentioned that briefly, but there's 10 curtains here. Um, and these 10 curtains have cherubim uh, worked into them. And we talked about cherubim mm-hmm. last time as, as kind of a symbol of, of uh, guarding. What do you what do you think is going on with these 10 cherubim curtains this is something i really hadn't thought of before that there's these four layers of these curtains mm-hmm. you know different layers and and, and the uh, the fine linen is is the one on the inside which yeah. the, the, the linen the linen itself is is, is white it, it, it's always yeah. white so there there's so these other colors are woven into it that are going to accentuate those colors but also the the, the white in there uh well practically speaking it makes it easier to, to, for, for light reflection, you know, so it makes it a little bit brighter of a, of a room. Um, but, but, you know, from, from the, uh, from, from the candle, you know, from the, uh, the menorah in that, you know, mm-hmm. from some of the lights, um, but also it's, 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 it's as if you're in, in the heavenly clouds and, and, and you're there with the cherubim here. So I yeah. think it gives us, it, 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 it's, it's a reflection of, of the, uh, the heavenly dwelling place of God uh, with, with, with the cherubim and, and, it's interesting that they're the only ones, and on the ark, they're the only kind of artwork in the tabernacle. I, I believe I don't, there's no other. There's right. no other, you know, fig, figures or anything 
um, which which helps, I think, with the whole argument with some of our Reformed brothers and sisters about no graven images. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, that that here, you know, goes back to Exodus 24, you know, first commandment for us, second commandment for them, sort of thing. Right. Um, that that, um, that here's images even in the tabernacle. Of course, Solomon's temple had much more than, than that. And here mm-hmm. um, is these, these and, and, you know, Exodus 20 really, or verse 4, just forbids the worship of such items. In fact, the word for graven there, I, I believe, in Hebrew, is, it means carved, which which, which yes. signify a, an idol. It really, it's referring to idols here. So, I, I think it, right. this this affirms affirms the images um, here, you know, in, in worship. It, and, and I guess even the Orthodox say, okay, two dimensional is okay, but three dimensional is not. <laughs> so, you, you, yeah, three D. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, be careful when, when you when you start adding, you know, three D, four D, and all all the rest. Right? Yeah. No. Um, yeah. And that reminds me too. We looked at you know at the end of Exodus twenty. It was interesting because you know after you had the okay, no idols. I mean, he actually goes. God does into this detail where he says, "Hey, okay, so you're not going to go and make these idols." But then in verse twenty four, he goes into this more uh, specific thing: an altar of earth. You shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. Um, and then picks it up there in verse uh, 25. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And I think that kind of gets to the 3D thing. This idea mm-hmm. that like once you take this stuff and you start carving into it, right? There, there it is, that carving idea. Is this going to mm-hmm. feel like I, you're making an idol, right? Are you going to start to, is this going to go too close towards idolatry territory? And so God says, you know what? We're just not going to go there. Uh, you just, just mm-hmm. don't carve stuff. Okay. We're just, we're just going to kind of make mm-hmm. like a, we're going to draw a big broad circle around this whole thing and just say, everyone take 10 steps that way. Um, which is, which is, I think it's just a kind of a practical wisdom sort of thing that you, you see in the design of the tabernacle, God has, has put this sim- symbolism to help his people understand mm-hmm. in it. And, and yet he is staying far, far away from anything that might trip them up and give them the wrong idea. So there's not going to be any, any, you know, carvings, of of angels just standing around in there lest they be tempted to fall back into idolatry it's just going to be woven in there as a reminder right like you were saying that when you're in the tabernacle you're in heaven because heaven is where god is and just like the garden of eden cherubim are there guarding the presence of god yeah and and that may be something that god is actually yahweh is protecting them against something from egypt are their their images, their their carved yep. images of their, of their animal, you know, deities, um, and their, their their worship of those. So it's kind of kind of separating them uh, as his people from from that, protecting it from that. That part of the culture, I don't want you guys to be a part of there. Right. Um, so I yeah. Get, yeah. Um, so, 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 so that's that, so that's an important distinction. Like we were talking about, like God's going to say, okay, these aspects of you know your experience in Egypt, I'm going to redeem, and you're going to put them in service to me. Other things, we're just going to stay clear, fo- like far away from, because I, I know you guys are going to slip up and 
and, and fall off the other side there. And in fact, I mean, you see God's just absolutely right because what's going to happen in six chapters, right? So uh, it's just kind of the vindication. Yeah, right. But I, I like yeah. what you were saying, though, about these four layers that like on this innermost layer, it's going to be like the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, right? Where like this, it's it's illuminated and you look up and you understand where you are. And that and that's why it's on this, this inner layer. Those outer layers are going to be there for practical reasons to protect this place, right. uh, to waterproof it, to, you know, windproof mm-hmm. it, you know, make sure there's some kind of heft so it's not just ripped through with like a gust of wind or something like that right so the other layers are going to be there for practical reasons but there's this inside one um for this theological reasons that the eyes would help the mind and the heart to understand where you are really when you're inside this place yeah and i remember thinking about the image thing here you know about the carved image or you know that are our reformed brothers and sisters you know no graven but especially no 3d ones you know um sure. that, that that god affirms the, the images for us to, to to use in worship again, not worshiping them, but to to to, to aid us in worship. But he, 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 God comes to us in, in a human image in Christ, yeah. a very three D, even or you know yes. all, all the D's there. And I think it's Colossians one is he, he he is the the, the image of God. That's right. He's the, he's, he's the the image of the invisible God. So. Yeah, I just, just thinking about that with, with the cherubim images. No, no he, he's he's got them there in worship. We don't we don't need iconoclasm. We, these are okay. We, we can do this. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that, that's uh, that's helpful too because you know one it shows us kind of the overarching thing, which is that you know when you have a crucifix, right? Um, I mean that that's the image that God Himself made, right? Well, for Himself, mm. um, and, and then and then yeah. two kind of again appreciating. These these things are contextual. You know, this is God knows his people. They just came from Egypt after being there for 400 years. Like he knows what they're going to slip up and do. I would imagine that most Americans are not inclined to set up a golden calf um, that, that if you start seeing pretty images inside your sanctuary, you're not going to be tempted to go home and melt down all your jewelry and uh, make yourself an idol in that way. Right. So, I mean, I think there is and this is, I think, what Paul gets into in First Corinthians, that uh, the way that we worship ultimately is, is obeying the law of love, that what we're looking at is, hey, is this going to cause my brother or sister to backslide into something, right? Does does my brother or sister have this history that if I start doing this stuff, it's going to mess them up, right? And so that's the question we're asking. And so, yeah, we might find ourselves to be free and say, yeah, we can have we can have statues and carvings. That's that's not a problem for the brothers and sisters in our congregation. But maybe there's actually some other things that would be. And so we voluntarily, out of love, actually give give those things up in our worship for their sake. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So I've, I've been promising that we're going to talk about the numbers. So, <laughs> so it's okay. There's 10 of them. There's 10 of them. Five get coupled together. Uh, it says there in verse three and the other five get coupled together. And then there's these, these loops and there's, it says 50 loops on each one of these things. And then the loops, they all get joined together with these gold clasps. Okay. So, mm-hmm. What's what, what's going on with this? There's a lot of fives, fifties, clasps, like joining things together. What's the picture? Yeah, I 
I'm admittedly not hugely versed on, on the numbers here, so you got to carry that. But um, a couple of things. Uh, uh, sure. 50, you know, 5, and 10. 10 is just kind of the number of kind of, of, of completeness uh, uh-huh. sort of thing here. And, and 50 um, it symbolizes you know, deliverance or, or, or freedom from a, from a burden. Uh, you, you look to the... Uh, the, the, the uh, Every fiftieth year, a year of jubilee that yep. God gives gives to the people um, in Leviticus oh, somewhere. Um, uh, that, that on, the, on the day of atonement of, of the fiftieth year, the uh, all the debts are, 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 are canceled. Inheritances were returned to rightful owners. Um, it's, uh, slaves uh, who were working to repay a debt, I believe they, they were given freedom to mm-hmm. to, to go to, to wherever their home was here. Um, I think it's kind of sad. I don't think we ever have recorded in Scripture anywhere a year of Jubilee being observed. Um, that's kind of going off, off track here a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but no, that, that's extremely helpful, though, right? Because we, we kind of miss that. Um, we, we, of course, think of, you know, the Sabbath. That's, you know, seven, right? But again, mm-hmm. seven times seven, 49, right? So at, what happens, right, when you have like a period mm-hmm. of 49 years elapse, right? Like, well, there's a 50th then, right? Um, and, and so mm-hmm. kind of using that sort of inclusive numbering sense, 50 does stand for like a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And so I, th- I think you've just hit the nail on the head that the, this 50 number pops up showing that this is this place of rest, right? And, and this is, I think this is important because as we keep saying, this isn't God just being like, here's all these rules, man. And if you miss one of these clasps, I'm going to thunderbolt you guys. Like this, this isn't, this isn't legalism. This, this is God, God's word just dripping with grace again, that they, that they see this is our rest. You know, we, the worship in Egypt was enslaving, right? Though the worship they're going to be tempted to fall back into with the golden calf. That's that's enslaving worship. It's the idolatry that abuses its worshipers. But this is worship that gives rest and joy and peace and freedom to its worshipers. And, and so you get that that seven times seven equals fifty. Rounding up, I, I think is is a really big aspect of the number here. Yeah, that's a really good point about this, 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 this whole structure here. This, what you do here, this, this is for the, the re, this is for rest for you, for your, for your soul, for the forgiveness of your sins. And how, every time we, we, we go into worship, that it, it's good to find rest there. You know, mm-hmm. my wife's called a yeah. sanctuary, right? Yeah. It, 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 this is a place of of rest from everything else going out there in this wild and crazy world, especially in these wild and crazy. Yeah. Times. Yeah. Come in here is, is and, it, and find rest for your soul. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Is, go. It, I was going to say, isn't, isn't that cool? And I, I don't, you know, so, someone needs to like, you know, just uh, expose me to like more like fine literature uh, because everything I think of is like Disney illusions, but like I think of like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, and like you got Quasimodo, and and um, and then like like what was it like Esmeralda, right? But you know it's like sanctuary, mm-hmm. sanctuary, right? And when you say sanctuary, like literally the word oh. means holy place, right? It means holy place. Yeah, but when they're calling mm-hmm. out sanctuary, they mean hey, I I get to be here, and it's like my safe zone. You can't come in here and hurt me. I'm safe. You can't get me yeah. when I'm in here. Right. Like, so, yeah. so this idea and, and that, that's kind of beautiful, actually, in this application that you see sanctuary as a place of safety, that like it's the holiness of God, not to thunderbolt you, 
but to keep you safe and to, and to thunderbolt your enemies if they should bring the sword into this place. And, and, and I think you see that with, mm-hmm. I mean, so even in verse 2, um, 28 cubits, right, uh, the, for the length of the curtain, and then four cubits, the breadth, what is that? That's a 7 to 1 mm-hmm ratio if i'm thinking clearly mm-hmm. this morning so seven again there's our number of rest right so like it actually pops up yeah. like in unexpected places but i think that kind of most of these numbers um in, in one way or another kind of like somehow get us to either like seven or 50 when you kind of look at it the right way yeah something my wife and i besides american students we also work with a lot of international students on, on campus uh who have never had any exposure to christianity before uh, in, in some of their situations, but uh, when they go into the sanctuary, when they, when they go into, into the church, was uh, the, the church where we have our, a lot of our international uh, classes at is, is a beautiful uh, uh, sanctuary, a lot of stained glass, St. Paul Lutheran here in Austin. Um, they, they, they love it because, and they'll say so many times, it is so peaceful in here. Yeah. And, yeah. and they say, I, I, is it okay if I just come in here to sit and, and think for a while because it's so peaceful? I was like, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the, it's, 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 they, they notice this. It's the first thing they notice about, about the sanctuary, how, how, how peaceful it is and how, how there's, there's rest here. What, what a- they know? Amen. And we, and we try to, we, we teach them about that, but there's, so yeah, just, just, the, just the structure itself lends to the, the rest and, 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 and the mercy seat being there. And now that's another dimension. Here, here, here's, here's, here's real forgiveness of your sins here. Um, so, and with, with the cherubim there in, in that layer there and, and the numbers of them just, just all point to, I, I'm in heaven when they go in there. Yep. I, yep. I, I am in heaven right here. It, it's hell on earth out there everywhere else. And, and, and here I, I'm in heaven. Yeah. A- a- amen. I, I want to, you know, you, so you mentioned the mercy seat. Uh, so here, an internet question came in via email. Uh, so uh, t- let's talk about this mercy seat. I always thought that was kind of a weird way of talking about it. And, and like, like, so someone's supposed to sit on it. <laughs> so, someone's supposed to sit on this thing. Um, but so, so the question actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, is, is it comfortable? Is it comfortable? Um, so, so we can talk briefly about that. And then the question actually was, so, where is the mercy seat in our uh, places of worship today? Oh, you get an answer for that. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the, the, the mercy seat, once a year, the atonement, the high priest would, at the risk of his life, go in there in the Holy of Holies and would pour blood there. If, I, if, mm-hmm. I, if it's, my memory serves me correctly here, um, mm-hmm. that, that that's that that now Christ's blood. That is our mercy seat. We uh, of course we don't have the ark of, of, of the uh, our, the ark of the covenant anymore. It's it's in a uh, warehouse in, in Area Fifty One, as, <sighs> as we, we know from the movies. Um, yeah. Um, but um, uh, that that, that the, the mercy of God, where He meets us now, is in His Son Jesus Christ and in His blood. Yeah poured out for us it's it's it, there's an altar there with 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 that with that body and blood on it and we, and we received that mercy bodily as he as he gave it to us bodily so that would be the best pastoral theological answer i can give for that <laughs> no i think i think that's fantastic um i, I think kind of getting 
uh, kind of back to the, the kind of dumb question I had just to kind of clarify that in case it confused anybody. Uh, mercy seat. Okay, so th- this is actually kind of using a, um, a a kind of older sense of seat where it has less to do with the place where you sit mm-hmm. down so much much as like a, it's it's the spot. So it's like the mercy place. It, it's the the mercy spot location right um so so why and, and so why is it this place of mercy well it's just because of what you said uh, because on the day of atonement which is just the the big day of mercy god shows his mercy by making atonement right by by not imputing the sins um onto our ourselves and our children that we would uh, suffer the full consequence of them but that this blood, yeah. right? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, some some of this goes on to this this you know goat that dies, and there's a scapegoat that just gets sent away, right? But some of this blood, um, you know, winds up here uh, on this place of of God's presence, um, which is which is quite interesting. And I think that it's like we were just saying as you were elaborating that ultimately, who is our day of atonement? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, and. Uh, you know, when you were talking to about the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, I was saying last time, you know, uh, pretty sure that Ark of the Covenant and all the rest were just actually destroyed just as the temple sure. was. Uh, but sure. um, w- one of the things that I think is interesting that we we don't really have any time to talk about today, but maybe at some point, the way that I think Luke talks about um, the Virgin Mary and Jesus, our Lord, in those first opening chapters, I, I think I've heard it said, and I kind of like it, that in some ways he's comparing the mother of our Lord to the Ark of the Covenant. Um, Because, I mean, when you think about it, right, I mean, that's what's going on. If God is is showing up and he's there, right, at the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, well, that's what he did with the Virgin Mary, that, you know, there's Mary and then there's God, right, showing up and and making himself present among his people. Um, not that we should be worshiping Mary any more than they should have been worshiping the Ark of the Covenant, right? Because we actually see Indeed. that they commit idolatry with the Ark of the Covenant. They think, oh, if we just take this box wherever we go, we're invincible. No, it didn't yeah. work out in the Bible any more than it did in um, Indiana Jones, right? I've got to stop. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but, but you know, so I, was, I think there's some, there's some important connections for us to see that. And, and that really, it's, it's, it's in the Ark um it's in the meal, in the supper, sacrament of the altar, that we that we have our day of atonement. Um, you know, and yeah. it, that's why it's appropriate to put blue and purple and, and scarlet and use that right for that holy mm-hmm. Thursday. We have it still. So, thank you so much, brother. It was really awesome having you on for the first time. And wow, what a chapter we gave you! But I, I think we did some good stuff here. God bless you and all the students that uh, will be coming back real soon. Thank you. My pleasure. God's blessings to you. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Richard Mitwitty, pastor at University Lutheran Church, Austin, Texas. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Moving on to 27. Till then, peace. Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.